after their legendary journey out of danger and into the safe haven of White Deer Park, the animals of Farthingwood look forward to getting used to their new life in the nature reserve. But winter is drawing near. The nights are colder and food for the animals is getting scarce. Other animals in the park are unfriendly and want to make trouble. And around the park are the perils of hunters' traps as well as humans and the machines. Will life ever return to normal for the animals of Farthingwood? power in the verse can stop me. What's going on guys? My name is Elden Nero and welcome to another episode of the Midnight Hour. I'm joined once again by my co-host Jack who's going to tell you exactly what episode number this is. It's number uh, 13 which is I think to be honest I think I was quite paranoid about the number 13. We talked about the paranormal last time. And he said that he wouldn't do it on episode 13 because he's kind of scared of that number for some weird reason. Definitely happened. Yeah. Uh, that's why you'll that's notice. Def that's definitely a thing. We did a whole episode about fears and phobias and we didn't even mention that fear of the number 13 at all, yeah. innit? Even though we did, but yeah. like, you're not going to go because back I, and I Because I totally didn't just make it up on the spot right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Pretty much like all the intros that we do. Yeah. But, um... We've got a question for you guys at the start of this episode, all you people who are listening. Before you put your iPad down and before you put your phone away, leave a comment and let us know, because it's good to gauge feedback and this will help make the show better for everybody. What's your favourite episode so far of The Midnight Hour? What has been your favourite one? What's, your, what's been your favourite one, Jack? Uh, right, you've put me on the spot now. It's um, hard, isn't it? I re to be honest, I, I did really enjoy the uh, the, fear, the fears and phobias one. I really enjoyed that one. But then again, I really enjoyed our top five video games one as well. Yeah, the top five video games one was really fun for me because yeah. I enjoy anything where I get to talk about Metal Gear Solid 2. Yeah. The fears and phobias one, I thought, had a nice blend of... like It was informative and it was personal. And mm. it also, yeah. like, there was a little bit of self-discovery in there as well, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, I think so, yeah. But um, yeah, that one was pretty good. But I, I like yeah. I like the conspiracy theories type ones as well, where we because yeah. like it's like I learn stuff too, so it's uh, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's always nice. Yeah, but um, today we're going to be talking about um, a lot of people in the last episode left comments saying to talk about coincidences, and I thought like that's a pretty broad topic and it's pretty difficult to discuss. But I think that one thing that we do pretty well um, as a as a duo a podcasting duo taking on the world is that when we pick a topic I think we're pretty good at like bending the topic around what we want to talk about and making it interesting when we do or at least I hope so anyway mm. but um, we're going to be doing that in this episode there'll be a lot of coincidences but also some stuff just about maybe just statistical probability and um, how likely it is that something could happen because I think that goes under the bracket of coincidences and a lot of people sort of didn't really appreciate how cynical we were uh, when addressing certain areas of the paranormal mm. last week and to be honest like we understand uh, we had the exact same um, reservations about the episode itself uh, so this time instead of talking about things that we don't believe in that scare some people we're gonna just talk about some things that you can be fascinated by that actually happened and that nobody can be cynical about because it happened. So um, I think that's a pretty mm -hmm. fair, you know, spin-off of the last episode. Yeah. Um, so we're going to start off with this story about a cab driver in the 1970s in Bermuda, of all fucking places. Um, <laughs> so what happened was a 17-year-old was driving his moped through the streets of a town called Hamilton in Bermuda, and a taxi driver ran him over. Um, 
And then almost a year later, a 17-year-old Erskine Lawrence Eben was driving the same moped through the streets of Hamilton when the same cab driver plowed into him and killed him. If that's not weird enough, he was carrying the same passenger as he was the previous year when he ran over the guy's twin brother. They were twin brothers driving the same moped, killed by the same taxi driver, carrying the same passenger in the same town, in the same planet, in the same universe. Can it get any weirder than that? <laughs> but uh, how yeah, fucked that, is that? I mean, that's that's ridiculous. I mean, let's not forget that these... Uh, I, I can't, like... I can't words, but <laughs> the fact that it's the same moped, like I mean, I can understand maybe two brothers dying or two brothers dying in a similar way, you know, both getting hit um, while out, you know, during their shared uh, love of motorbikes. Um, but twin brothers getting killed a, a year apart on the same moped by the same guy in the same taxi. Yeah, like that's ridiculous. Like. That guy must feel so bad about himself. Like he's yeah. he's wiped a pair of twins off the planet who are like driving the same moped. Like I, I I'd say he must have consulted the family at some point. Like they must have spoken, and mm. it must have been so awkward. But yeah, that that whole incident must have been just. Uh, I don't know. Like obviously, um, I think is it fair to say or is it overly critical to say that the first brother that died must have been at fault because the taxi driver was on the road in the same taxi less than a year later that sort of implies that he got off with it yeah which must yeah, like that, yeah that's uh that's kind of he didn't he didn't go to a well he might have done some jail time for it you know less than a year yeah potentially but you know the uh the likelihood is that the the original moped driver was at fault yeah, and you know they say that twins are you know well they're twins are incredibly similar, and maybe their disregard for road safety and you know when riding their favorite moped is was the same. This would actually be the perfect time to transition to the other story about twins. This was this was I remember this was um one that I heard in school a lot actually in secondary school, and it was the story of kind of. Uh, fraternal twins, so a boy and a girl twins, uh, were separated at birth um, by because uh, they were adopted by separate um, parents. Um, the story that I heard was that they met on the London Tube and they kind of fell in. Of course, they didn't know who each other were. They kind of met each other, met on the Tube, fell in love, and got married. And only afterwards did they find out that they were twins. Yeah, this is. Um... Like, I can't even imagine what it must have been like to, A, figure that out, but, B, how they dealt with that, like, mm. at the time. Because, obviously, you have all of these feelings and all that they must have believed were 100% sincere and everything, and you just cannot mm-hmm. go, like, you can't yeah. just continue knowing what you know, really. Um, plus, it's fucking illegal, so... But, yeah. um, that's so... I don't know, um... I used to be a lot different to how I am now. I used to read The Sun when I was in college, and <laughs> I remember the... Uh, you ever read The Sun? You know the Dear Deirdre column? Oh, those are fantastic. Yeah, those are brilliant. But um, <laughs> there was one of those uh, one day... Like, The Sun was... In, in my college, we had, like, a cafeteria, and there were newspapers stacked up, and I just read The Sun because I wanted fast, easily digestible information that I could just dismiss mm-hmm. as bullshit after I read it. But um, <laughs> I was reading the Dear Deirdre section, and... There was a a woman who wrote in and said that she had just reunited with her brother that she hadn't seen for like twenty nine years and she had like um 
what would be the, like romantic feelings for mm-hmm. him. And uh, now I don't know how in, how insightful or knowledgeable Deirdre actually is, but um, <laughs> she said that uh, it's actually surprisingly common for uh, siblings who have been reunited after a long time of absence. Uh, for all of these feelings, the emotions that overcome them uh, to just manifest themselves as as mm. romantic sort of emotions. And I guess I could kind of see that if you had grown up an only child and never had a brother or a sister mm-hmm. and not knowing how to react to them. Um, yeah. It's kind of a very, an adult, sort of modern adult way of looking at it, I think. Like, as yeah. weird as that sounds. Uh, you see it in, you probably see it in movies and rom-coms and shit like that all the time. But um, mm-hmm. it does kind of make sense to me when I look at it that way. Um, but what do we know? Whatever became of them? Like, how did that? Do they still speak? Or? Um, the tw- the twins ended up uh, obviously getting their marriage annulled because it's illegal. You know, that it was annulled by a court. But uh, absolutely. As yeah. to what happened after after that is unknown. But I mean, you know, you saying, you know, um, about the um, single, you know, the only child thing. I think you know people are attracted, you know. Let's let's forget the whole uh, twins, brother, sister reunited after years. People are attracted to those that are similar to themselves. Yeah, that is true. You know, you're you're attracted to people with similar interests, a similar, you know, kind of things. And uh, clearly, in terms of this kind of twin thing, and you know, this brother, long lost brother and sister thing, it clearly also boils down to a deeper, you know, possibly a deeper kind of ingrained, uh, almost genetic kind of thing. You know. Yeah. It boils down to something that's not necessarily a personality tr- trait that's selected but more of kind of one that's kind of a, a natural thing that's there yeah i agree you know? yeah that like there there's obviously like i mean they're carrying the same genes there's bound to be enough mm. patterns in their brain that just lead them to yeah. these similar experiences um mm-hmm. none of which are as mind-bogglingly similar as the next one that you have to talk about though mm. Yeah, I mean, um, I've managed to find a couple of, I say, sources for this, but but I mean, it's it, there's a BBC article from I think it was a uh, 2008, which uh, you know I trust the BBC. I'd f- I'd say that's a fairly conclusive uh, bit of evidence, really, that this is actually a true thing. But um, it's another story of um, twins separated at birth. Um, they were both or- orphaned and adopted by separate families. Um, you know, miles. This is in America, so you know, hundreds of miles across the country. Um, they were both named Jim by their respective parents. Both grew up um, to marry women named Linda, and then uh, divorce those women, and then to women named Betty. And they both had kids named James Allen. Admittedly, they were the the spellings were slightly different, but oh, I think, well, you know, then this is fucking yeah, nonsense. Yeah, it's bullshit. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think I think I think I'll allow the discrepancies in the spelling of Allen. Yeah. in this case, um, but they both worked as sheriff deputies. They both drank the same beer. They both smoked the same cigarettes, and they both just drove the same model of Chevrolet. And they didn't meet for the first time until they're thirty nine years old. And they were both thirty nine years old. And that dun, 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 the big <laughs> the big twist ending there. Yeah. And they were both born on the same day. Imagine <laughs> these twins. These twins born on the same day to the same mother. <laughs> Would you believe it? But yeah, that is um I like you know, what we said about genetics and how things are mm. likely to fall down a certain path and things like that nothing can really prepare you for the statistical improbability that is what you've just described um jim marries linda marries betty paul what was it paul and alan 
Um, uh, James Allen, yeah. James Allen, yeah. And then ac- across the country, the identical-looking Jim marries Linda, marries Betty, has a kid called James Allen, you know, drinks all the same stuff, smokes all the same cigarettes, drives the same car, you know, has the same job. Yeah. I mean, ridiculous, isn't it? Like. Yeah. That, no, like, if, um, who's that director who made that fucking The Notebook, that, like, all his movies are the same movie? If, if he, oh, yeah. like, all his movies are awful, but if he made a movie about this, I would be fucking fuming at how ridiculous a notion it is. Yeah. And here we have an actual case of this actually happening. Like, I've always kind of, I think everybody really has been interested in twins, particularly identical mm. twins, because you want to know yeah. how similar they are and things like that. Yeah, they are an abnormality, essentially. For sure, yeah. Um, like I, I went to school with twins who, um, although they had similar interests and stuff, they were mostly um, fairly independent of each other. You know, mm. like they, they weren't, um, like they were identical twins, but just completely yeah. different personalities. And you, I don't know. I think when you first form ideas and generalizations and things, you tend to draw on your own experiences, and that's all mm-hmm. that we can really do. So I never really yeah. assumed that the idea that twins are very similar I, I thought it was just the same as any other siblings Yeah. but I assume that because of this story there's definitely some credence to be lent to the idea that twins are very 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 fucking similar and not just yeah. in the way that they look because yeah. that's just a bizarre set of coincidences that you know. yeah I think do you I've just I've just kind of thought of this the fact that they uh, have a taste for the same things not just uh, you know like the cars and the job and stuff like that but say like a literal taste for uh, the certain brand of cigarettes and this certain brand of beer do you think that gives some notion um, to the idea of nature like in the nature versus nurture kind of thing that they've got this predisposition from the genetics of say their father or their mother or yeah something like that? Um, I think it almost like I think it would be really foolish to say that it doesn't, you know. Like it, it mm. sort of has to somewhere in their brain. Yeah. Like that has to exist. Um, but at the same time, like I mean, given how um, radical this this coincidence is, it's also yeah. perfectly logical to say that it just happened that way, isn't it? Like yeah, yeah. Um, I, I guess it's a really hard thing to actually attempt to to differentiate mm. between the two and figure out your own truth about. But it is just. It's just fucking bizarre. Like, yeah. there's no, um, like, I've never heard of any story that has sort of surprised me in that sort of a way, you know. Mm. And yeah. and that's something that's actually happened. And it's just, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, it's it's unfathomable. Like, I wonder how that must have went when they first met. Like, you know, um, I don't know, you know, when Homer meets his brother, uh, and mm. his brother is played by Danny DeVito. We're talking about The Simpsons here, obviously, for any idiots out there who don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, when it's just, you're just like me, with a little more and a little less. Like, and you know, Danny DeVito has more hair, which is the great irony in that. And uh, <laughs> um, I, I like, I don't know. It's um, things like that are just fucking fascinating to me. And like, I would have loved to have witnessed them. They're actually uniting for the first time, you know. And I guess, mm. like, if that happened to me, if I met another version of me. Who um who who drank Corona and you know was addicted to the internet and played FIFA and had a YouTube channel and, yeah. and, and all of these things um I would be inclined to attempt to kill him because he's definitely the evil version <laughs> of me who's been sent to challenge me in some way and the anti L yeah and there can only yeah. be one like, no yeah there can only be one <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is um 
it is crazy like i'm sure that must have led to some like sleepless nights and just moments of what the actual fuck because i don't know if it's just me that would look at it that way like obviously i wouldn't want to kill the guy but i would definitely question a lot about my existence I, i think it would start to make me kind of almost question my own sanity you know i mean if you say you strongly believed in the idea that you know everybody is an individual and everybody takes their own choices and takes their own path in life you know and every decision that you make affects your you know how you how you live in the world around you and stuff like that and then you come across someone who looks exactly like you has the same job as you pretty much has the same history as you drinks the same drinks smokes the same cigarettes drives the same car that must you know your bla- your brain would just my brain would not be able to cope. No, that would be this this whole thing. That would plunge me into an existential crisis. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's just because of the way that I'm wired, but I like, I feel like we just that's the only real conclusion for me from that. Yeah. I feel like you can either go to the path of you know, oh, this is this is really cool. I've got someone that I can share everything that I love with because we're on you know we're on that exact same wavelength, or you go. I've lost all of my individuality. Anything that I thought was individual to me clearly isn't. Yeah. You know. That, do you think um, maybe if they met for the first time and just got talking and over time they learned all of these things, yeah. do you think that would soften the blow or do you think it would uh, still... Yeah. I think, say, they met for the first time and Jim kind of went to Jim and said, do you want me to get you a beer? And he went... Yeah, I'll have a, I'll have a Corona, and Jim went, good choice. Yeah, I like you already. And then he went, oh, do you mind if I pop out for a fag? And he was like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll come with you. And you know, pop, both popped out the same cigarettes and lit up, and kind of thought, good taste, yeah, good, good guy. You know, I think this guy checks out. Yeah, this this guy's an all right guy. You know, like I think maybe over time it would, you know, if if this whole thing was revealed over time, it might kind of actually bring you closer. Yeah. But revealed all at once is kind of a big kind of what the fuck. Yeah, it's overwhelming, isn't moment. it? Like, yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, there's a guy who... One of my mates showed me this on Facebook one day. It's just... He's just drummer in a band, in a heavy metal band, and they have mm. a Facebook page, and that's all I know. Um, my mate sent me it. He saw it on, like, I think it was a promoted... You know, how you get those promoted posts yeah. on your wall on Facebook. So I, I don't think he could ever go back to it after he saw it for the first time. But um, the drummer of the band is literally... Looks the exact same as me. And I have one of those really weird faces, like... I have a, like I don't know like my forehead is bigger than the normal humans I think but I have long hair so no one notices my nose is very triangular and a little bit misshapen um none of those things are true but you know like I I look a little bit different to to most people I think like it's very hard to find somebody who looks exactly like me mm. and this guy is the fucking spit of me like it's crystal clear <laughs> he's actually I used um the screenshot that my friend sent me of the guy, it's my picture on my Viber and WhatsApp, and nobody has ever questioned me on it because they all just believe that it's me. I once put it into my group chat on WhatsApp, and all my friends were like, why are you showing us a picture of yourself? Like, the dude looks exactly fucking like me, and it's fucking scary to me because he's the only one. Like, I don't look like any celebrity. Yeah. Well, I look a little bit like if Beyonce had a white brother um with blonde hair like that's that's what i look like i think anyway i definitely have some kind of resemblance with beyonce but um this dude looks exactly like me and that's a little bit scary to me like a little bit weird yeah yeah but but that's nothing (laughs) 
It's nothing yeah, compared, nothing to, compared this to this. So you saying about the you know him being a drummer in a band? Have you seen the guy? Um, Will Ferrell is basically the spit of um, the Red Hot Chili Peppers drummer. Is it Flea? Is he the? Oh no, is he the? Wait, Flea is the drummer in Red Hot Chili Peppers, isn't he? I think it's the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, let's have a look. Let's, yeah, let's, let's do a little, let's, a quick little Google. Let's check this on the Google because we're uh, organized. And... Chad Smith. Oh right. Chad Smith, if you wanna, or if you, I don't know if you wanna put this up for on on the screen now, or if someone wants to Google, Google Chad Smith, and he's the spit of Will Ferrell. Let's have a look here and see this. Okay, yeah, that's a strong similarity. Yeah, um, and they actually recently got together and for charity did a uh, drum off. <laughs> they did a, a drum competition for charity. That's um, like, do you remember Doppelganger Week on Facebook? No, uh, it, I, rem- I, rem- I remember there being uh, I remember there's always been a lot of uh, things about doppelgangers, but yeah, like as I don't know, everybody had these celebrities as their picture, and I didn't know about my drummer in a band guy who looks exactly mm. like me. Who, by the way, actually, I'll put his picture on the screen, and in the <laughs> unlikely event that anyone knows who the fuck he is, let me know. Please leave a comment. I really want to find out, <laughs> um, and get in touch with my long lost brother. But um. The uh, the doppelganger thing, like all my friends were putting up people who like they look relatively similar to like a lot of celebrities, and I had nobody, and I just just had a picture of Beyonce because it's the closest that it gets. But um, I don't know. I was wondering who you would use as yours, and then I immediately remembered that you would just put Jack Swagger because that's a piece of comedic mm. genius that even you couldn't overlook. Yeah, no, yeah, that's very true. Um, <laughs> I, I actually do remember there being a pic- there's a picture somewhere of Jack Swagger the wrestler and he looks very like you in it but I think it's one of your um, weird bath poses or something like that oh good stuff yeah but uh, I remember looking at it and saying it to one of my friends and he's like yeah they do look alike I was like his name is Jack Swagger and his name is Jack Swagasaurus and my mate was like well they both sound like cunts so yep <laughs> I made that last should we uh should we move on to whatever you've got lined up for us next yeah this is another kind of I mean I think we kind of maybe peaked in terms of mind bogglingness with the last yeah. one but this one is in a world of its own in my opinion so mm. there's a guy by the name of Terry Cottle who until the year 1995 I think was um, he was a married man he was married to a woman called Cheryl her name was Cheryl Cottle naturally and when he was at the lovely easy pronounceable age of 33 um they had financial problems and cheryl left terry and overwhelmed with uh just misery and uh all of this suffering terry cottle got a gun and shot himself in the head and died um cheryl his wife or well his widow at this stage offered up his heart like to uh you know she signed off for a donation so that it could be donated to a guy and a man named sony graham um, was the donor he received Terry Cottle's heart and uh, so- did I say Sony Graham because I meant to I say Sonny Graham because <laughs> Sony <laughs> would be a fucking ridiculous name but uh, Sonny Graham received um, Terry Cottle's heart and Sonny Graham contacted Cheryl just to say thanks for doing it because you wait a long time for a heart transplant and there's mm. all this uncertainty and this was in the 90s as well so it, like nothing yeah. near as advanced as they have now but um, kind of I this is an awful uh, device to use in any story, but one thing led to another, and uh, <laughs> Sonny and Cheryl got married. So Sonny, who had uh, received a heart from a guy who killed himself, um, 
eventually married the widow that was left behind when uh, when Terry did kill himself. So Sonny and Cheryl got close. But then in the year 2008, again, financial problems were on the horizon and their relationship was struggling. And Sonny just went out back and got a, I think it was a shotgun. He put it to his head and shot himself. Um, and then he died. So what happened here was that two guys who owned the same heart at different points in their lives committed suicide in the same way due to relationship struggles with the same woman. She has broken the same heart twice, and it's resulted in a suicide twice. That's fucked. That is massively fucked. I mean, you can't even... You've got to feel... I say you've got to feel bad for her, but she's caused two suicides, essentially. Yeah. Like, I, so I wonder. I'm not sure. Like, I'm not sure if I feel bad for her, or if like, I'm not sure if I should feel bad for her or not. Should I? I, I like I don't know. Um, it's it kind of implies heavily on the article that I read that the the main the root of the issues were finance. Um, and obviously I think financial struggles will lead to relationship struggles, but relationship mm, struggles yeah. won't lead to financial struggles. So. I think it's likely mm. that it was just the money and like obviously like suicide isn't a rational thing anyone who commits suicide isn't thinking yeah. rationally so the the likelihood <laughs> is they weren't really thinking about her they were just thinking about them yeah. because depression kind of is about this sort of tainted self-absorption yeah. that happens so I do feel bad for her I think that she mm. is a, a survivor um, I don't know the whole story but I I think that given what happened to Terry um, the first guy, mm. I'd say that she treaded very carefully in the mm. relationship with Sonny, yeah. but you, you, I don't know. You, you just don't know. It, it's it's just one of those things that's really bizarre. Like, if I didn't know anything about anything to do with this case and I just heard mm. that man A and man B both committed suicide over girl C, I'd mm-hmm. be inclined to just blame the woman because that's just the kind of default reaction. Yeah. But when you look into it and the finances and I don't know, it's mm. uh, it's very strange. Plus the fact that they bonded over the heart in the first place kind of suggested mm. it was just one of those relationships where that's just what drew them together. Yeah. Um, it wasn't a spontaneous traditional relationship in that sense, if there even mm-hmm. is such a thing. So I don't know. Mm. I, I kind of find it hard to blame her, but I uh, I'm trying to imagine how she must feel. And uh, yeah, I mean the you know the survivor's guilt of that kind of. Uh that kind of thing is kind of ridiculous, you know. How, you you know you you she does you know putting um, old organs onto the donor list, you know, um, for donation is a great thing, you know, to do, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, you know there are a lot of people out there that need um, you know various various organs and rely heavily on you know people, not people dying, but you know organs becoming available as it were. Yeah. Um, you know, so she did a uh, this good thing in putting her husband's was it her husband or was he her ex-husband um no he he was her husband yeah her husband's organs onto the on you know onto the transplant list and then you know she kind of bonds with this new guy over her almost her dead husband's heart you know yeah it's kind of very very sad for her and then her new husband her new love you know kills himself you know, not only ignore the whole fact that it's uh, you know the shared heart and things, but you know she's she's gone through two of her you know two husbands who have committed suicide. Yeah. You know the survivor's guilt is must be ridiculous. It's um no. it's really hard to kind of fathom what she must be going through mm. like two weddings, two suicides because yeah I like I I know divorce is is a lot more um 
it I think th- divorce is a lot more of a serious thing than separation because it involves mm. a legal process um, and that can be pretty you know that'll take its toll on you but in this case yeah. it was two deaths from husbands and that mm. includes like drawing up a will she's been widowed by two different guys um, yeah. and that's just fucking harsh like that's just really harsh I, uh, yeah that, like I don't really know like on, with all of these things I like to try and get into the head of the victims um, mm. but it's just it's just really tragic with this one um, yeah side note for you uh, mm. do you believe in donating your organs like is that something you're gonna yep yeah I'm a on my driver's license I'm a I'm an organ donator that's cool I'm an organ donor that's the probably the word I'm looking for yeah pro- no donator with a tree instead of a yeah e. donator <laughs> yeah um, yeah, I'm the same. I, I remember listening to this uh, radio station one day where they were doing like mm. a chat show thing, and there's some guy who just didn't want to give up his organs, and he just said it was for a personal belief, and it was really hard to actually call him out on it and say, well, you're a cunt, because what you're basically saying is, well, you don't believe in the same thing as I do, therefore you're a cunt, and you can't yeah. really go and do that. So if people don't want to, it's sort of fair enough I'm, depending I'm, I'm on what struggling they think. I, I don't know I, I think I think I'd struggle to agree with anyone whose uh, personal belief doesn't stem from um you know like a fa- you know fairly grave circumstance or if say you say a religion yeah I could kind of understand their religious want to you know be buried intact as it were yeah but unless you know you're extremely religious I, I don't see why you should really not donate your body to science or donate your organs to I think a lot of that, someone else I think it sort of stems from uh, not knowing what's going to happen to you when you die because I remember mm. do you ever see the movie The Bucket List with Jack Nicholson and Morgan Freeman yeah. Um, yeah. so there's a line in that movie that Jack Nicholson says where he's like I don't know about getting buried or cremated because if I get buried what if I wake up and if I get cremated what yeah. if I feel the flames and that's just something that I kind of always relate back to what's mm. going through the head of someone who doesn't want to give up their organs. It must be something like that. It must be that, yeah. you know, they think they're going to exist somewhere mm. else in another spirit or something. And without yeah. their organs, they won't be fully equipped to deal with that. I, that's the only yeah. way I can look at it. I guess, I mean, I guess I've always had a, not, I suppose, I suppose a good word for it would be, it would be a, I've had a cavalier attitude towards what's happened to my body after I'm dead you know I you know I kind of believe that once you're dead you know you're dead that's it done yeah same you know, that's uh you know that's welcome to the darkness um pretty much but you know like my my attitude's always kind of be yeah stick me stick me in the oven and uh take all the money you wanted to put into a funeral and just go down to the pub and get everyone wasted yeah have fun you know celebrate my life don't mourn my death it's it's sort of like that Holden Caulfield attitude where um like it's like if I die just throw me in a river like who wants yeah. flowers when you're dead nobody yeah um, exactly I, like I always this is gone way off tangent but we'll <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll loop you back in with a good one after yeah. I just say this one thing um about uh the people who wonder what happens after you die uh, I mm. wonder why does nobody ever think about what you were like before you were alive because you can't remember it because it was nothing that's what it'll be like when you're dead yeah yeah exactly good night everyone now just kidding uh, <laughs> so this next um this next one this doesn't come from a good place either most of these are pretty mm. tragic um th- there was a woman by the name of Fagilyu Mukametsyanov that was actually pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that was actually much better than I, when I tried it. Yeah, I think so. Um, but this woman had a heart attack, and she was pronounced dead uh, clinically at the hospital. They decided she was dead at her wake. Um, I asked Jack if that's what they call it in Britain, and it is. But for anyone that doesn't know what a wake is, it's that period just before 
your funeral where you're buried um and you're sort of you're sort of the coffin is an it's an open coffin placed in a room where relatives mm. can come in and surround the grieve. coffin grieve yeah exactly that yeah. um and that's just what a wake is it, we do it in ireland and the wake always happens right next to a pub and everyone goes and gets drunk um mm. that's a really really strong irish tradition but um at her wake the coffin was open and she was surrounded by her grieving relatives and then she fucking just went and woke up and after realizing where she was she suffered another heart attack and died so like that this isn't really a coincidence but i think in terms of statistical probability what are the fucking chances of this happening that a hospital would fuck up someone's diagnosis mm. and and pronounce them as dead when they're not i'd say that probably happens more than we're willing to admit like it's probably yeah. a, a rational fear i think for a lot of people mm. But the fact that she woke up and then suffered another heart attack and died is that's the real tragedy here is that the realization that, oh, my God, she's alive. And I'm sure there was a few seconds of absolute Mm -hmm. elation and joy for the relatives when they witnessed that, you know, beneath all the panic and just what Mm -hmm. the fuckness. But um, and then she just dies again. Um, Like, ah, I don't know. We keep on saying with these, how do you react to that? But seriously, (laughs) offer me a suggestion here. Yeah, I mean, are we are we are we assuming that she was what in a mini coma basically, and the hospital the hospital somehow missed the fact that she still had a pulse and was breathing? Yeah, um, like, it, it could have been. Because I mean, you, there's only there's only so long that you can, you know, go into this kind of a stopped, you know, where your heart stops and stops pumping around blood thing. You know, you know, you can only go into that for so long. Yeah, you know, um, but. Well, I'm I'm just assuming that the some lazy doctor went. Ah uh, yeah, like shook the bed and just went. Ah oh, yeah, now nah, she's dead. Yeah, I I, I would actually as... like honestly, it probably happened in a place where the facilities weren't that good and they just weren't mm. financially equipped to deal with things like this on mm. a regular basis. So it was just a misdiagnosis in that sense. But mm. like fucking hell, man. Do you know what I mean? Um, but misdi- misdiagnosing death. That's a hell of a mistake. That's pretty much the worst kind of misdiagnosis <laughs> you can actually do. <laughs> Because well, um, I mean, you you could always have them where you know you go into the doctor's office and he comes in and he goes, looks at your kind of uh, papers and just goes, you've been you've been diagnosed with death. <laughs> I'm sorry. Now lie the fuck down and shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I'm living. Oh, you poor thing. <laughs> that is uh, going back to that Jack Nicholson line, uh, mm. being buried alive is a huge not fear as such but that's yeah. one of the things i want to happen to me least out of anything you know what i mean it's yeah we covered this in the fears and phobias didn't we did we i'm pretty sure we i'm pretty sure we did we might have talked about it beforehand maybe our talks before we st- we me and l talk before the podcast starts and sometimes they all just run into one big blur in my head. I think every conversation so, we've ever had yeah. is just one big long conversation. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, we've only ever spoke in one pub. Yeah. And we just have this massive talk in a pub. Yeah, that's what it that's is. That's all that's happening. Yeah. Um, I, I watched the uh, Mythbusters once, and they were covering mm. the idea of getting buried alive because... You know how in the past they used to tie a bell to the coffin mm, so that yeah. if you woke up you could ring it? Um, yep, ring it with your toe. You've got about 35 minutes of breathing inside a coffin mm-hmm. before you die. like so. And that's that's assuming you don't panic and consume more oxygen than you normally would when breathing regularly. Which is fucking inevitable. As well. 
No, yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's for that reason, and genuinely, for all of the rational thought I just gave the concept of organ donation and how I'm totally happy to do mm-hmm. that, and how I believe that after we die, we're just nothing or whatever. I'm still yeah. getting cremated because it's still <laughs> a slight fear like it's literally it is it's a fear of mine um just the concept like i I guess it's not so much that i'm worried about what happens after i die that i think i'll wake up in the coffin it's that what if if like fagilu i get misdiagnosed with death and i wake up in the coffin like i can think of nothing worse than ending my final 35 minutes of life on this planet than fucking you know scratching the surface of a coffin to try and you know to to lose on a on a lost cause pretty much yeah, I, yeah. I think uh, they'd be able to tell if you know. I'd much rather wake up and start screaming because somebody's stuck a scalpel into, you know, part of me to start cutting me open than kind of wake up in a dark, tightly enclosed space where I there's no chance of escape. Yeah. If that makes sense. When you put it like that, like yeah, you know, it almost seems pleasant to uh, to feel <laughs> your surgery <laughs> as it happens. But um, nah, that one is just uh, not a coincidence, but uh, definitely a, uh, mm. a a statistical an anomaly. Anomaly, that's what you'd yeah, call it. an anomaly. Um, yeah, should we step away from uh, should we step away from death slightly? Let's do one more about death. Ah, um, oh, go for it. Just because it would be rude not to, because this whole thing is called The Game of Death, where um, oh. The Game of Death was a movie that Bruce Lee starred in, and in the movie, he played an actor shooting a movie, so stay with me here. Um, <laughs> Bruce Lee's character in the movie is acting in the movie, and he gets shot by a prop gun that turned out to be loaded with real bullets, uh, so this is an accident that happened on set within the movie, and... That's weird, because Brandon Lee is Bruce Lee's son, was Bruce Lee's son. Uh, He starred in The Crow in the year 1994, which is another fucking coincidence, because I mentioned it in the last episode, didn't I? And I told everyone to watch (laughs) it. Yeah, Um, But it was the last movie that Brandon Lee ever starred in, because on the set of that film, he was shot by a prop gun that was meant to be loaded with blanks, but instead had real bullets. And that was how Brandon Lee died. Uh, he he died as part of a you know quote prophecy unquote that had been told by his dad years earlier filming a movie where the storyline in that movie was acted out in reality by his son and led to his death um and like another weird coincidence about that family is that bruce lee died on the set of a movie as well um mm. not related to things that happened in the movie well there's lots of conspiracy theories about that that you might yeah. want to research if you're interested but that's it. Um, Brandon Lee, you know, died in a, you know, mm. something that happened to his dad in the movie, and that's fucked. That's just really, really fucked. Yeah. The the level of coincidence is, is in this episode, uh, let alone the uh, the the kind of things that we're talking about, is just unprecedented. Like, you know, um, coincidences can happen to a lot of people, you know, on various and various levels, but. Kind of a death is kind of the big uh, nullifier, as it were. Yeah. And for a coincidence of this strength, you know, kind of a really tangible strength to happen, especially to like a father and son, is pretty, uh, pretty big. Yeah, it you know. is. Um, and the, like the fact that they were both in the same field as well, mm. like of of employment and stuff, it's just, yeah. uh, it's a little bit fucking weird, I think. Um, another thing, like, is that in the movie The Crow, 
Brandon Lee actually dies. Well, no, sorry. The Crow, uh, Eric Draven, dies and comes back to life, and that's part of the mm. movie in the Crow. So, like, there's a whole lot of death going on there that, you know, the movie was called A Game of Death. Like, it's just, uh, you know, it's all just fucking crazily coincidental. And, mm-hmm. I, like, I don't know. It, it's probably time to move away from death <laughs> before, like, yeah. I don't want to end it with, like, and uh, that's been the midnight hour and we're yeah. all going to die so see you yeah. next week if you're not dead <laughs> yeah I mean we're going to get into really exciting territory now because on, on in retrospect I've realised I've picked what is now quite a boring topic because <laughs> um, I'm going to talk about the telephone the, inv- <laughs> the invention of the telephone. What, not even the smartphone? <laughs> no, just just the normal bog standard telephone yeah, Steve Jobs um, invented um, it didn't he? Yeah, yeah, right, end of discussion. Um, anyway. <laughs> no, so anybody anybody will know, that anybody should know, everybody, I'm judging you if you don't know, that Alexander Graham Bell is widely accepted as the inventor of the telephone. Hell yeah. Shout um, out to my man, Alexander Graham Bell. <laughs> what a lot of people don't know is that there was another guy, Alicia Gray, um, he was, who was a prolific inventor, a patent office worker, and he owned the company that supplied uh, what is now, I think, Western Union. Uh, who were a tele- obviously a telegraph company at the time. Yeah. Um, a lot of the details of what went down regarding the invention of the telephone are pretty dodgy, His- to be honest. History um, is written by the victors, isn't that what they yeah, say? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the that's the kind of uh, accepted saying. It boils down to the fact that uh, Alexander Graham Bell got his telephone uh, prototype patented first. Um, but there's a lot of things about Bell potentially having seen Grace... Um, Alicia Gray's prototype for the telephone, and but the big thing is the big coincidence that both filed patents for the telephone on the exact same day in 1876. Yeah, and that's what it comes down to: the fact that Gray's um, Bell's, uh, you know, patent for the telephone was selected over Gray's, and the fact that they were both working. And you know, we discussed this before we started that. Uh, inventions and kind of uh, theories and kind of things like that aren't often, you know, they're not thought about and pl- pl- plugged away at by one person. Yeah. It's, and there's often yeah. several people competing to kind of get to that, uh, you know, that final point. I would liken it to something like the car industry. Um, mm. You remember the, the I, I think... I think the Vauxhall Insignia, or the Opel Insignia, was the first Mm. car that, well, the first car made available to the general public as so, well, the first affordable car made available to the general public that had that thing where it could see around corners, that sort of weird camera thing that it had. Yeah. Um, Something like that is a breakthrough thing for the car industry, and Vauxhall got the patent for that, so that Mm. puts them ahead of the game. Um, and industrial espionage is something that happens with a lot of companies and that's where mm-hmm. you know um, another company let's say for example Nissan and this is hypothetically speaking but Nissan gets mm-hmm. somebody to go in and look at Vauxhall's books and look at their prototypes and find out what they're doing and then they go back report that to Nissan if Nissan files that patent first then they get that technology and they're ahead of the game um, that's what I'd like in inventions to uh, mm-hmm. we did like me and Jack had a conversation earlier about Thomas Edison and how yeah. the majority of his inventions were just ideas that he stole from other people and it's not mm-hmm. to say that he wasn't a talented inventor but his real skill um, was pretty much knowing 
how to file a patent and how to do yeah. that and that's um i don't know that that's something that happens is just the coincidence involved is that all of these great minds in the world are plugging away at this same concept <laughs> and whoever wins it by whatever means they've won it it becomes irrelevant once they've won it because their name goes down in history and they're the one who've done it and nobody ever remembers who almost invented the telephone you know what i mean um mm -hmm. yeah it's, it's one of those things that, but i think the reason that it's particularly coincidental for the telephone is just the fact that it's such a breakthrough invention for us yeah yeah and um also something that i forgot to mention was that there was a, an italian inventor actually um i think it was six years before bell and um gray even submitted their patents for this uh this um you know the telephone, the prototype of the telephone, um, who had actually already started to develop a way to, or he had developed a system for his uh, basement laboratory, la or you know his basement lab and his second floor uh, bedroom um, as like a, com a verbal communication device that wasn't just like a pipe and yeah. uh, things basically, uh, you know, it involved vibrating uh, cords and stuff like that. It wasn't a cup and a string. No, it wasn't a couple. It was a little bit more sophisticated than a couple of string, but I think that's uh, kind of the basics of where he went from. Yeah, yeah. In terms of vibrating kind of things, but you know, so you know, and I think it was, I think it was a uh, evolution. Um, you know, the, the theory of evolution. Everyone knows that Charles Darwin came up with the theory of evolution, but there was also another couple of scientists at the time, kind of uh, lobbying and kind of developing this idea of evolution as it were but it was Charles Darwin who kind of uh put it through as you know in his in his um I can't remember the name of the book uh, the evolution of species yeah you know and he he kind of had the big breakthrough um publication as it were yeah um i think there's actually a lot of things like that that come out of pop mm. culture that something just won you know it just came yeah. first it got there first it did the first thing like i remember um nokia were kind of the first mobile phone available to mm -hmm. well i i can't really say that for a fact but nokia was the f most uh sought after mobile phone when i was a kid mm -hmm. by kids my age i like when i was yep. like 12 i had one and i was mm -hmm. one of the first people in my class to have a mobile phone and it was a nokia one it was a nokia 3210 shout out to that phone shout out to nice. the snake. everyone nice. remembers that but um nokia had that phone and then they had the 3310 and then they had the 3330 which was a fucking clusterfuck for me to say, but <laughs> that phone was a modification of the 3310 where it actually had WAP enabled, which meant that you could do certain internet capabilities with it using mm. 3G at the time. And Nokia got really ahead of the phone game. And then there was a company called Sagem or Sagem that came out with a camera phone. I don't know if they were the first, but again, they were the most popular in my school yeah. that did it. And once that was released, that's what everybody wanted. And Nokia completely fell behind. And even now, it's it's Sony Ericsson or it's Samsung or it's Apple. Yeah. But it's not Nokia anymore, I don't think. No, yeah. Yeah, and I remember it used to be... Um, a big one used to be in uh, in my school was Motorola as well. Yeah, Motorola before, um, just Mo before Motor Nokia. Motorola were a big one, yeah. Motorola, Nokia, those were kind of the big two. And then all of a sudden, kind of a Samsung kind of started blowing them both out of the water. Sony Ericsson came along and blew both of them out of the water. And then Apple just came along and blew everyone out of the water, basically. Yeah, pretty much. You know. Um but I think whoever decided to put the camera on the phone, like, that's something that nobody fucking needed. 
no. everybody wants now. No one can do without yeah. that now. No one would buy a phone that doesn't have a camera on it now. And I know there's going to be mm-hmm. some hipster out there who's going to comment and say, my phone doesn't have a camera. And like, that's great for you. But um, you know what I mean? It's one of those things that just culturally, it just won. That's what yeah. came out of it. And that's how it happened. And that's just because mm-hmm. the... Uh, the will to compete and the competition just drove out the best in people. Mm. Um, like I think in terms of coincidences and stuff, there's, um, there's actually a philosophy, a philosophical school of thought that comes from the Beatles mm. and the fact that you've got John Lennon and Paul McCartney who are both coming up with like this fucking pioneering revolutionary type music that nobody had ever yeah. really heard anything like before mm-hmm. like they invented so many types of music that people listen to today and they were both around at the exact same time in the exact mm. same band and the philosophy behind it is that it, they were driven by their own competition and the competition mm. brought out the best in them and I can definitely see that being true and I'd say that's true for a lot of inventors too mm-hmm. it's the competition makes them strive to get their self, get themselves noticed and just catch on to a trend or try and identify something yeah. that people will consume you know yeah definitely I think the um, the, the easiest probably the easiest one to quote from us I say recent times but you know from possibly from the generation before us was just the space race like you know this whole you know um, the hatred the hatred that existed between um, you know the US and Russia just to push one another. Yeah. And eventually, you know, the US into landing a man on the moon. You know, I mean, that's probably the easiest one and the biggest one, really, in recent history, as it were. Yeah, and even like even before that, like Russia sending Yuri Gagarin was the first mm-hmm. man to go into orbit, yeah. and um, all of that stuff is it's born out of competition, pretty much. And mm. at the same time, there is a strong element of coincidence in there, right? That they're mm-hmm. all thinking about these same things at the same time, and they're both on the yeah. fringe, on the cusp of some kind of consumer revolution, or be it like yeah. a technological revolution or whatever mm. it is, yeah. but they're always working on it together, and it's the competition that drives them. And whoever, mm. you know, like, I don't want to say survival of the fittest, because I know that's a term that's always used out of context, but it's pretty much yeah. history is written by the winner, and whoever yeah. drives gets to be the guy that says all of that. And Yeah, exactly. Um, that's a real interesting thing, I think, is mm. inventions. I wonder, could we do a... A podcast about it or is there i think we kind of kind of just talk about all the good parts yeah i mean to be honest we could always we could always just have a chat about kind of crazy inventions that we wish had caught on or stuff like that like when leonardo da vinci invented the helicopter yeah i really that wish been, that happened I, I really like the idea of that whole you know kind of sit down and pedal your way into the skies idea that's brilliant though like yeah yeah there's um i don't know there's something about that sort of old school science fiction you yeah. know like that was their science fiction mm. and that's really cool to me like have you ever seen that movie um i think it's just called the moon um you know the the no i've been meaning to say it yeah see it yeah the one i know, I know which one you're talking about yeah uh the french one from the french guy is like one of mm. the first movies ever one of the first color movies was it one of the first yeah um yeah well that movie is just their science fiction and it's really kind of endearing to look at nowadays mm. like i mean it's aged terribly but it's still yeah you know there's something captivating about it and yeah i mean it's always nice to look at kind of you know you see you can see the um images from you know the world of tomorrow and things like that from back in the 60s where you know the 60s and 70s where everyone had a personal robot by 2010 yeah a nuclear powered one to them yeah nuclear powered personal robot and things like that and it's like Shit, we're behind. Did you ever... <laughs> you know, um, it's like, no, sorry, what were you going to say? Uh, yeah, uh, Back to the Future, you know, the hoverboard's meant to be coming out next year. Yeah, that's true. to Back to the Future, yeah. you know. 
You know, there's a blog, uh, I think it's on Tumblr, that every single day posts, uh, today is the day that Marty McFly lands in the future. And it has a screenshot <laughs> of it, and it posts it every fucking day. And people still go crazy for it. And they're like, yeah, today is the day. And it, like, then there's people like me who are like, no, it fucking isn't. <laughs> but, uh, it's a genius idea for a Tumblr account, because it not mm. only trolls everybody but it also exposes everybody's stupidity as stupidity well not stupidity but inability to just do their own fucking research and stuff yeah gullibleness yeah pretty much gullibility is that a word um no gullibility gullibility is a word now gullible isn't even a word did you know that it's not even in the dictionary <laughs> i did not <laughs> um what i was gonna ask you was just you know a little bit of movie talk mm. uh, have you ever seen the movie sky captain and the world of tomorrow no, I haven't. It's got um, Angelina Jolie, Jude Law, and I want to say Gwyneth Paltrow, but I don't think it was her. But um, it's sort of one of those movies that is like science fiction from the past. It's like an alternate reality where mm. while the Nazis were around, there was also just this amazing technology that they had. And they fly these yeah. robots into New York in like the 1940s, but they have all this cutting edge technology too. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of a really interesting amalgamation of several genres that all overlap with each other um, yeah. that being said it's not a very good movie but it's just that kind of concept <laughs> that we were sort of talking about with you know looking at things from the past mm-hmm. and how they thought it'd be in the future yeah I mean that's why I've kind of always enjoyed um, you know taking it into uh, games as well while I've always I've always kind of enjoyed uh, f- the Fallout series yeah because you know it's the, it's the kind of almost po- post-apocalyptic present day but it's an apocalypse that happened almost before the you know microchip was invented. So you've got all this kind of old style technology bred in with kind of this uh, almost alien like you know technology of today, but without the limit not limitations, but without the advancements of certain parts of science and things like that. And you know, just seeing the kind of things that they've come up with and put into the game is quite nice and interesting. It's like a mixture between steampunk and science fiction, kind of mm. in a way. Um, yeah. Yeah, I wonder, yeah. is there any way we could take this into another episode? Like, maybe inventions slash predictions and how mm. it could have turned predictions out. Predictions of the past, as it were. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, if anyone knows how to sort of put us on the right path here, because yeah. this is really hard <laughs> to try and to try and think of. Like, I hate when I have a concept in my head and I can't really articulate it that well. Mm. But, um... I guess um, we don't have any coincidences left, do we, to talk about? Yeah, uh, no, I was, I was thinking, I mean, the story that I kind of wanted to tell, um, you know, I, I told you just before this uh, podcast started, but it's kind of a coincidence, it's kind of just an odd event that's kind of happened in my life. And kind of a cautionary um, tale, too. Yeah, um and I'm going to tell it, you know, anyway, because um, I, f- I find it funny, and a lot of you will probably listen to the story and think, how is that funny in any way? <laughs> Pretty but much my reaction. <laughs> I've got a twisted sense of humour anyway. Um, yeah. So basically, when I, was, uh, when I was a kid, and I was in primary school, so ages, you know, 3 to 11, we had this local veterinarian who used to have loads of kind of uh, exotic animals. He used to have a pet duck named Charlie, snakes, turtles, tortoises... You know all that, all that kind of good stuff—stuff stuff you wouldn't, couldn't see in your yeah, garden or in the park and stuff like that. And he used to come in, and uh, he used to let us, you know, play with his animals, and he'd tell us all about the animals. And he was called the Animal Man, or we knew him as the Animal Man. And uh, a couple of years after I kind of left primary school, 
he was actually arrested and convicted for several counts of kind of a child paedophilia. Oh, child paedophilia is there any other type of paedophilia? Well, child paedophilia um, is the worst kind. Yeah, um, or best kind, depend on which way you swim. Oh with that. dear. But, uh, <laughs> but, line no, yeah. crossed. No, no. This story is crossing that line anyway. But he was convicted on multiple counts of uh, kind of a porno- child pornography, um, bestiality, and a combination of the two. Um, it's kind <laughs> of really kind of sick stuff. And the fact, and I've you know, I, I say I say I find it funny, but you know, it is sick and wrong. But you know, he's this is the man that we used to call the animal man. And who used to come into my primary school and let us pet his animals, and then went home and just took the most literal interpretation of yeah, yeah, of th- all that, yeah. That's um, that's just a fucked up thing that uh, mm. like I mean, I I like I say that should serve as a cautionary tale. Like honestly, just don't fucking trust anybody who <laughs> goes up to kids with animals. But that's you know what, like people like him are fucking dickheads. Not just because of what they do, that all that illegal stuff and all the stuff mm. that harms other people and all, but genuinely nice people are being shut out because of people like him and because of people's fear and paranoia and they're making it spread and everything and that's such a shame that people like him have to exist and like that's such a weird thing to say but and and i guess that's kind of a weird angle of looking at it too because there are so many other things that jump out at you that you should be you know more concerned about Mm -hmm. than just the concept of genuinely nice people being mistaken for pedophiles now which is which is a thing that happens an awful lot i think Mm -hmm. um but that's just so fucked up. Um, like, in a way, it makes perfect sense that if he was interested in bestiality and, like, paedophilia and he went mm. to a school with animals, he, you know, he's playing in the right yeah. ballpark there pretty much. But mm, yeah, um, that doesn't really... Uh, that's just fucked. It's such a... Yeah, like, I, I, guess, I guess you could uh, describe the way that I find it, uh, quote-unquote, funny as almost a defence mechanism because I really don't want to think about... The potentiality of potentiality is that even a word? It's uh, it's um, in the dictionary right next to gullibility, I think. Good stuff. Um, the potentiality of what could have happened to myself or any of my classmates, you know. Yeah, yeah, I'd imagine. But it's the so. fact that it's the, I can laugh about it because nothing ha- nothing actually happened. Yeah, I, I kind of have the same no. reaction to things that have happened to me, like when I got assaulted. Like people would not stop coming up. Like me and my mate, we both got assaulted, but I got ex- assaulted mm-hmm. more severely. Like I, I had, yeah. you know, broken bones and stuff, and mm-hmm. uh, people were just coming up to me all the time, like, "Are you all right? Are you all right?" And even like months after, like, "Oh, I heard about that. Are you all right?" Like, all I can really do is laugh about it. It's it wasn't funny, but it's like. Yeah. You know, you just have to just... What else can you do? Yeah, exactly. You have to just take it for what it is and learn to live with it in that way. And just, you know, if you adopt that as your mechanism, then so be it. Yeah. Um, There was something else we wanted to talk about. And Mm -hmm. this is pretty much... um, You know, we've done really well in this episode to keep it all Mm. together, considering we... I phoned Jack about an hour and a half ago, and we had no topic, and this (laughs) is how it panned out, and I think we've done a pretty good job, because most of the stuff, um, most of the stories we talked about were ones that we already knew anyway, and it was just Mm. a matter of of getting them out, out. Um, but... What I was sort of saying um, in the Skype call to Jack, and I don't know how we're going to talk about this or how it's going to pan out, but... There's been a lot of times in my life where I have been a part of a really seemingly weird coincidence that isn't 
like, here's what I'll say, right? Back when I was in school, it's probably still the same. You'd go home from school. Um, at 5 p.m., there were two episodes of Friends on E4. And mm-hmm. then there was an episode of The Simpsons on Channel 4. Or even on RTE2, if you're an Irish person. They were both mm. the same, pretty much. Um, same scheduling, anyway. But quoting Friends and The Simpsons was the thing that everybody did in the schoolyard. At any given opportunity, you quoted Friends or The Simpsons because there's a gold mine mm-hmm. of jokes to be found in yeah. them. Um, and I found that oftentimes the jokes that I quoted or the lines that I quoted on certain days would be aired on the episodes when I walked home from school and watched them. It was the one that I was thinking about that day. And like many times a week, I'd find myself thinking like, holy shit that's what i was saying today how did i know that that was on and that's really weird and that's you know i i think it can possibly be explained by the fact that i watch these every fucking day of my life Mm. um any day i came home from school friends the simpsons every day for years and years and i think i just Mm. subconsciously knew the programming i knew when the next episode was and i knew what it was i just didn't know that i knew if that makes sense um, yeah. And that's just a weird coincidence that happens. But there was another thing that I've got a friend called Eugene who um, I speak to on Skype quite regularly, probably daily. And one week, the, we just had a ridiculous amount of strange coincidences happen to us. Um, we were talking about movies and we started talking about The Birds, the movie, the 1960s Alfred Hitchcock movie. Um mm. And then he just said, turn on Sky Movies 4 or whatever. And The Birds was fucking on. And neither of us knew that before we started talking about it. And that was strange. And then the next day, uh, or the day after that, I spoke to Eugene and I said, I just watched a really, really good movie. It's called Detachment. And I I imagine a lot of people have not heard of that movie because it's not exactly a famous movie. Uh, Adrian Brody is in it. Um, and there's a few other people in it. I think Lucy Liu might be in it as well. But uh, it's not well known. It's kind of mm. almost an independent movie. And I told him that I watched it. And he watched it on the same day as me. We had never spoken about its existence before. I had never even known about its existence before. It came up on my IMDb most recommended. I clicked it. I watched it. And he did the exact same thing. That's weird. That's really coincidental. Yeah. And that's just... I think it's partially explainable by the fact that we generally... Travel have similar taste in film, yeah, or, and we just sort of exist mm. in the same circles on the internet. Like it must yeah. have popped up in his IMDb watch list. Maybe it was some algorithm based on movies that we were both watching or whatever. But even so, mm. that's really coincidental, right? Like, yeah, it's like I don't know. That's um, if anyone has any similar things like that, I guess I don't really think it's as amazing mm. as some of the other ones. But it's uh, no, I mean, there's de- there's definitely been times where it's kind of been. A case of you know I've got home from uh, school or I've just been sat bored and you know flicking around and thinking oh do you know what film I haven't seen in a while and and then bang it's on you know it's a, it's about to come on on you know Sky Movies or one of the many Sky Movies channels you know yeah like it's not I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's you know it's not uncommon for uh, kind of these coincidences to kind of happen in everyday life and you know like things like Deja Vu are always. You know, you, you always get that kind of, not I'd say you, you don't always get it, but you know, you'll often get the kind of feeling of deja vu, and I think that's kind of also a part of kind of the coincidence. Because isn't deja vu meant to be, um, you, you're you're experiencing a uh, new situation that's similar to one that you've already experienced, and your brain is taking 
your feelings from the last time you experienced this similar event and placing them or projecting them onto this new event? I think there's no actual concrete thing. Um, the theory used to be that it was when both of your eyes move around the room and they scan certain amount of things. And mm. if your brain absor- or absolves, absorbs too much information, um, it gets really confused and it's not good for you. But supposedly the mm. theory before was that You'd, you'd move your eyes across the room and one of your eyes would pick up something that the other eye didn't and that confused the brain and that just gave you the sense mm. of deja vu personally <laughs> I think it's a glitch in the matrix and it's proof that we exist inside a simulation yep. um, but no seriously I think I think there's you know how you were saying about you were thinking about a movie and then it just happened to be on mm-hmm. I think there's yeah. another possibility that you you saw an advert for it you just didn't remember yeah. it and it just fell into your unconscious thoughts. subconscious yeah yeah like the subconscious has always fascinated me and i've always yeah. wondered how much information you can store in there that can manifest itself mm-hmm. in dreams because there's plenty of people out there who believe that their dreams predict the future um mm-hmm. like i told a story at the end of the episode five um which is the only one we did without jack um but uh there was um like a story at the end of that that was really weird and and kind of could have wouldn't have been out of place in this episode i don't think Mm. and that's just weird i wonder what we can store in our subconscious that i'd I'd, I'd like to know more about the subconscious and dreams and yeah i mean the brain is a ridiculously powerful thing you know the 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 human subconscious can do so many things that you know you can't you can't even really conceive how much information it can really store as it were yeah you know like um certain certain things you'll remember that you don't actively remember as it were you know it's not something that you try to commit to memory it's something that just happen you just happen to remember like for some reason i i you know recently i've been watching um i've I never i've never really been a massive fan of friends um and I know that that often makes a. In fact, I really kind of disliked it a lot. And uh, that makes a lot of people kind of uh, fall back in shock and horror. Do you know but, what? As I've aged, I actually understand it a lot more. Um, <laughs> I find the show has it hasn't aged badly. I just think it it's not what it was when I was younger. Mm. It's not that good. Yeah. I, like I want to say, as weird as I. No, say. yeah, but I've been kind of watching it recently because my girlfriend's a ridiculously massive fan of it so I've kind of just been watching it recently while while she's here or whatever you know just watching it with her and my parents have always had it on you know on TV whether on Comedy Central or on you know like Channel 4 like you said and or whatever and it's kind of like I kind of see I kind of sit there and kind of go Oh, I know what's I know what's about to happen. Yeah. Or it's like I remember episodes, and it's like I've never I've never I've in fact if anything I've actively tried to avoid watching Friends because I kind of had this distaste for it. Yeah. But I kind of sit, I sit there and feel myself going, I've seen this before. I know I have. I don't remember what's quite what's hap- going to happen, but I've seen this before. Like I remember the jokes. I remember the kind of events. And it's weird. I remember. I um. I bought a Save by the Bell box set for somebody one Christmas, and nice. it was every single episode of it ever, which is an awful lot. I think mm. it was seven discs, and we decided to watch an episode, and I think we watched, like, a, like fucking, I don't know, episode eight from season four, you know what I mean? Like, just a mm. random one that I just picked, and yeah. I don't remember much of Save by the Bell, because I watched it at that time just before I got into Pokemon and all, and all the information from Save by the Bell is pretty much gone. I remember the characters' mm-hmm. names, that's pretty much it. I remember very yeah. little of the episodes. And this one that I picked, 
that I didn't know what it was, but the one that I picked and watched, I remembered literally every second line to it. Like, I knew the whole thing, and I knew that it was the only one that I knew, but I didn't know that when I picked it. Like, I didn't read the back of the box. I just mm. picked a random fucking disc and chucked it into my PlayStation. And it happened to be that one, and I think that that's sort of, you know, you can look at it as coincidence, or you can also say, maybe I know a lot more about all of the episodes than I thought I did. They're just stored somewhere in my brain, and they, uh, I don't know, I never got to access that compartment to my brain until that moment, <laughs> and it just turned out, you know, like... Does yeah. that make sense? No, yeah, I, d- I definitely understand. I definitely understand what you mean. I think there's a ridiculous amount that we can remember without knowing it. Yeah. Especially, you know, just random things. You know, like my my dad is a ridiculous depository of completely useless information. And you have you watched the show QI? Yeah. Yeah. Um, if anyone hasn't watched it, you really should. It's brilliant yeah it's fantastic um, it's funny and it's informative and Stephen yeah. Fry is just the man yeah and you'll kind of find out things that you kind of never thought you would need to know or you know you kind of sit there thinking why does anybody know that whereas I'll sit there with my dad and he'll just go and give you the answer and he won't give you the answer that's wrong he'll give you the answer that Stephen like you know that the that, he, that they want you to give and it's like oh, why the fuck do you know that yeah <laughs> and it's like and my dad just kind of sits there and goes, I don't know. There's a, it's just this massive build-up of knowledge that he's got for no reason. There are a lot of people like that who need to just go on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire or some quiz show mm. because that's what those things are designed for. Yeah. Um, I Like, I don't know how people do it, but there are people who are just amazing at quizzes, you know? Like, mm. people who just know how they work and what kind of questions and they know what the trick question is and stuff. And mm-hmm. I, I guess that's another testament to how powerful the brain is, the people's ability yeah. to differentiate things like that and uh, and understand the difference. And I don't know, it's, uh, it's, it's really weird. I think what we did here was described a lot of things that are actual coincidences. And then as the mm. podcast drifted on, we sort of have we sort of come to a conclusion that some things aren't all that coincidental they're yeah, just I think so yeah it's just that you can't store you can't immediately have on hand all of the information that you know mm. so you're bound to experience a little bit of coincidence in that way like there's another thing that supposedly the the brain can um intake uh, something like 7,000 images per day in terms of what mm. you see, you know, uh, on TV, driving, like whatever, 7,000 things. But in America, you're subjected to 21,000 different images of advertising every day. Mm. So that kind of explains a little bit of the culture that we're in. So advertising, like TV advertising, if you're watching TV, you're going to see adverts that you're just not going to fucking remember. But they're there. Like you've experienced them, mm. but they just, they're gone somewhere. And, uh, I guess the coincidence part is where they come back, but you just didn't know how it happened and how your brain got to that conclusion. Mm, yeah. Does that make sense? I th- I th- yeah, I think I, I think I'd agree with that. You know, you t- you can you take in a lot of information per day, and there's only a certain amount that you can really store, and that might just tend to crop up in the most random circumstances. Random circumstances. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what it is. I. Mm. And this was a good one. I think we did very similar to how we did in the Fears and Phobias one, where we actually just talked something out to make it make sense. You know, because yeah. uh, we definitely, mm-hmm. definitely didn't plan this like every other podcast <laughs> that we do. But um, will we leave it there? Are we done? 
Yeah, I think that's uh, all we've got to say on this topic. Yeah. Well, if they can even call this a topic. Yeah, on this, uh, on this <laughs> discussion. We should get tattoos, like matching tattoos that say in Latin, I can talk about anything in the world for an hour and 14 minutes or whatever it is. and then. Uh, ah, see, you say that and I've already been researching how to uh, say beware the sea people in Latin. <laughs> I'm, not quite there. I'm not quite there yet, but I think it would make a nice tattoo. It would. Or get it in Japanese because like, no one's going to fucking care what it says anyway. Like... Ah, see, I wanted to get um, I wanted to get the word soup in a Japanese tattoo, you know. I actually know. Maybe, uh, uh, I know someone no. who has fried rice tattooed to them, and that's not even a joke. Nice. Um, I saw a great post on my Facebook wall one day or on my timeline that was like, uh, "I wonder if people in other cultures get random words tattooed to them in a different language," and it showed like this Asian girl with the word "water" tattooed to her. <laughs> that was pretty funny. But um, I wonder, could we do a podcast on tat no fuck like fuck it we're, we're ending it here if you have any suggestions throw them in the comment section just like you did in the last episode which is what led us to talk about this and uh, and i think it worked out mm-hmm. pretty well so thanks for listening yep jack thanks for being Cheers. on the show once again no worries and uh yeah i don't know fuck this bye power in the verse can stop me like i i'd say he must have consulted the family at some point like they must have spoken and mm. it must have been so awkward <coughs> well nearly died <coughs> and <laughs> i've completely lost it need to take a sip of my drink i choked on air that just happened uh, do you know what i'd like to see i'd like to see you do a whole career mode hammered
Oh god. Like, signings, like gameplay, everything while you're drunk, live, all of it. Just you going twenty twenty mil. Fuck it, yeah, why not? <laughs> why why the fuck not? What's that my budget's um budget's twenty one mil. Yeah, go for it. Whatever. <laughs> It'll probably happen. Maybe next April Fools. 